media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. All right, Sunday morning, 8 to 11 means it's uh, three hours of the media show. We talk branding, marketing, advertising, anything that uh, that communicates, anything that moves. You can connect with me. My name is Ashraf Garda, so welcome to the show. Uh, to get on air, it's 0891104207. That's option one, uh, which is great. You can tweet me, but if you are tweeting, it's hashtag media show. You must do that. Um, and you have option three, which is to SMS uh, 234701 and if you are tweeting you can do two things you can tweet um, verbatim in terms of what the guests are saying sort of quote tweeting them I uh, guarantee I'll retweet that when I pick it up but also tweet your opinions and your comments as well to extend the discussion not just on the show but certainly beyond the show as well right first up we, in fact we have lots of things to talk about including the SABC's Olympic Games uh, plans you know we chatted to uh, Tabiso Sitoli last week about his own personal while working the Olympic beat. So that comes up just now, but looking forward as well to the Ask Africa uh, top iconic brands. Uh, Maria Producers comes in and talks to us about that. Let's start, however, with Audrey Malden, who's the former MD of McCann Erickson. That's in Scotland, of all places, far away. Looks like wearing a Scottish jersey, but anyway. Uh, and he's also worked, of course, for Ogilvy and Mather, but very importantly, as someone who's uh, been around in the advertising industry for a long time, he's put together a new book. So, Aubrey's with us to talk to us about that. Aubrey, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What's your book called? It's called Between the Briefs, um, and its subtitle is A Romp Through the Halcyon Days of Advertising. And, and the briefs is very interesting, because I think you've got, a, you've, got, you've got, we need to take a picture of that one there, uh, so people can see exactly what briefs we are referring to. There's a nice <laughs> play in. Yeah. What, okay, so what, why the book? Um, I began to write it um, in 1998 before I returned um, to South Africa for Ogilvy's over here to help them with their empowerment. Um, and I realised that I had a lot of stories um, during my time in the advertising industry, having worked with a lot of interesting people. Um, the fact is that they call it an autobiography. When you find it on the shelves, it will be under autobiographicals. But the thing is, it's not really about me. It's about people like Paul McCartney, the Queen, um, Prince Charles, uh, David Ogilvy, people that I've worked with, and the funny stories that I've actually um, been involved with them over the years. Most of them are funny, anyhow. All right. And and these funny stories, I mean, ultimately, they come through a prism of, what, media marketing, advertising. I mean, that's the space you've played in, right? Yes. What what happened in the advertising agency, or what happened um, on shoots, or what happened with clients, um, what happened on... In overseas in Cannes and Eastern places like that, yes. Okay, so between the briefs, and um, uh, listeners probably want to know where we can get it from, we'll get to that just now, right? How, wh- who should read this? Um, the first book that I wrote was very much uh, a- a- about the practicalities of advertising. That was called Things the Brand Gurus Don't Want You to Know. Mm-hmm, but this is, far more, this is far more open-ended. It's an entertainment book. Yes, it does have some, some tips in it about advertising and marketing, but it's far more of an entertainment book. You should get a good laugh out of it when you read it. it isn't the danger when you go far more entertainment and you go wider, and that's great, right? But then you then miss your core, your core business uh, 
audience which would be people who are in the advertising industry? Not really, because the first book did that. The first book covered that off. Um, This book is to share stories, um, anecdotes um, like a kidnapping in Cannes that happened and so forth, um, that will tell people what really happens in between the briefs, in between the fact when you're working on real advertising problems. And the brief, of course, says two things, although the cover uh, shows a brief of an underpins kind of realities in terms of the advertising industry. Briefs are that instruction given to you by the brand to an advertising agency in terms of how they need to get something right. Uh, by the way, if you wish to call in, if you've seen the book, that's great. Let us know what you think about it. 0891104207 between the briefs or remote on the, the author um, of this biography, autobiography, I don't know, uh, talking to us through that. What I thought that would be useful is, is maybe let's pick out five, six, maximum ten uh, particular incidents that you can share uh, in terms of your journey that, that is really interesting. So where do you want to go with this? Um, I think probably the first one, which is a, a, a short case history, but involved a, a lot of funny happenings along the way. Um, and it was working for Prince Charles. We were engaged to work with Prince Charles. Um, and initially he had a charity called the Princess Trust, the Royal Queen's Royal Jubilee Trust and the King George Trust. Um, and he asked us for our advice on how he should market them. And the first thing that we actually said was, well, first of all, you don't have a brand. You don't have a brand name. This is Prince Charles himself? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah, all right. you, don't, you, don't, you don't have a, a brand name. Um, we suggest that you actually drop the Queen's Royal Jubilee Trust and the King George Trust from the name and keep it as the Prince's Trust and obviously design all the um, different material that should go with that, that logo, the brand architecture and so forth. So the first job was to actually then go to the Queen and say to the Queen we were dropping her name from the, this charity mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to which the reply came back she is not amused but she understands. Um, how, how did he respond? He... Uh, absolutely understood. We found him a very bright guy to deal with. Absolutely understood. And he, he said, uh, I said, do you want us to come with you to the meeting? He said, no, leave it to me. I'll sort it. I am the prince after all. But he's still the prince. I mean, that's the irony. Yes. Years later, very he hasn't sad. graduated from uh, b- beyond that. Right. So uh, the, what then played out for that particular one then, finally? Well, what, what then happened is that um, in those days, they only had about 1,000 people taking donations from the Prince's Trust. The Prince's Trust gives money away literally to poor people, to 16 to 25-year-olds, to help them get off the ground. So if they want to, uh, for example, be a fashion designer and try and make their own clothes, they'll buy a sewing machine for them. Or if they want to be a drummer in a band, they'll buy a set of drums for them. Um, And in those days, they only had 1,000 people. Now they have 56,000 donations on average per year. Um, And the other thing that we opened up for Prince Charles is that we made it far more accessible for the young people to actually communicate with Prince Charles. And they had rock concerts with Phil Collins, um, Kate Bush, Madness and so forth, and got a lot of extra income and a lot of extra publicity out of that. Okay, that's one. Uh, Let's get to another one, Aubrey. Um, Working with David Ogilvy, a very difficult man to work with, what we managed to do is, um, through negotiation, we were going to be working with Paul McCartney, and Paul McCartney, the idea was for him to record a track that was going to be used for the World Wildlife Fund um, to help generate um, income to be used on a, on a commercial and to be used to be released to the general public. Um, and then that income would also go, go back to WWF. 
Um, but in those days, unfortunately, David was 70. Um, he was a bit out of mm, touch. Mm, mm. Uh, he li- lived down the road from where I was working in Brussels in his big chateau in Tufo. And as soon as he heard that we were involving McCartney in this, we got a, a message from him. Stop all work on WWF. You're guaranteed to make me see red. I'm coming to see you. So, <laughs> okay. so he, uh, he ended up making an appointment to come and see me. In the meantime, I phoned people in WWF in Geneva and asked them for my support, for their support. Um, and they said, you're doing absolutely the right thing. We absolutely agree with you. And we're absolutely not going to support you because once Dave has got to be in his bonnet, that's it. You're finished. <laughs> and, and they were right. I mean, David came to see me. I was ready to argue my point. He said, I'm not willing to discuss it. I suggest that you resign. And, and that's it. Um, that was it until some years later I got a letter from him from Tufo saying, um, Dear Aubrey, uh, I invite you to um, have dinner with me in the chateau and stay the night and have a chat. Um, and of course he made me pay for the for the bottle of wine being a true Scotsman um, <laughs> with no pockets and barbed wire in the bottom of his pockets. He, he didn't pay for the wine. I had to pay for the wine from his chateau. Well, there you are. How, how did you get into the industry? Um, that's varsity. I, I originally wanted to be a film director. That's what I started to, to look at. Um, and then we had one of London's top creative directors come. And he said, I'm going to start a proper advertising and marketing course. And he was a very charismatic man. Um, he set up a very, very professional course. And as part of the course... Um, even in our first year, he placed us in top London advertising agencies um, for six weeks and eight weeks at a time. And then when we said, well, the eight weeks is up back to varsity, he said, no, stay there. He said, if, if you're learning, stay there. Um, he, was a, he was brilliant. Um, I often wonder what's happened to him because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to thank him. And, okay, but I mean, now there was no contact thereafter. Um, no, there wasn't. Him. Oh, really? Uh, the, okay. the, the odd thing was that um, the way that he set up the course is he wanted us not to work as individuals, but he wanted us to work as advertising agencies. Um, and so I was working with two other people, and we had our own little pretend advertising agency, as it were. Um, and when we graduated, we looked at various advertising agencies for jobs, and some of them wanted to hire one of us some of them wanted to hire two of us but we ended up actually working for one American agency who hired all three of us and then the agency is? Um, the agency in those days was part of Interpublic it was called WPWQ okay. it was part, part of Jack Tinker right. um, and we were known um, as the three wise monkeys because we used to be called <laughs> in to, to help them solve new business pitches. All right, and, and, and let's confirm the we would be Aubrey yourself and, and, and the other two. George, George and Gregory, who I still um, are friendly with. I go and see them every year in London. We always meet up and have a few drinks. And there's quite a few stories about the shenanigans that we got up to together in the book. Okay, we've got about five or six minutes to go, so I'll get you to run through maybe some of the others, uh, uh, really interesting stories that have come through. And I'll leave it at your discretion. Well, there was um, there was one which was um, with uh, we, we worked on a beer in in the UK and we took the beer from 45th to fifth in the marketplace in in three years. But in working on that beer, um, it was what 
you would call in this country a craft beer and our job was to grow it into a massive brand but keep it as a craft beer um, which we managed to do perceptually um, and what happened is that we interviewed members of the brewery so that we could write advertisements around their stories of, of the beer um, and one of those involved a, a cooper who the guy who actually made the barrels um, and he told me that uh, he was uh, having a conversation with someone in the pub who's the local policeman mm. and the local policeman said you know one day um, one day I'm going to stop you Clive and I'm going to take your license away from you because I know that you've been drinking and Clive said no you won't and he, he said yes I will and he said no you won't and he said yes I will and he said you won't and he said why is that and he said because I haven't got license <laughs> <laughs> well, there you are. You know, lots of little stories like so that. So, there's, there's interesting ones. Right. What, what else? I mean, let's talk about some, you know, other specific brands you've worked on and, and what's come out of that. Um, obviously, working on Axe was was fun. Working on IBM was, was fun. Um, and as I said, working on WWF was fun. Mm. Um, and all the pitches that we worked on, all those things in the early days, winning Cabra's business and so forth, was was exciting because we were we were young people and we were very lucky to be called as the the three wise monkeys. Um, <laughs> we were a little bit you know mischievous in between, so it was a real sort of like it was a, a double-edged sword. This title that we'd been given. Well, there you are. What, what's it like bet- working between the briefs? Meaning, uh, in a very literal sense here, that, that, you know, in the period building up to, to getting another brief, and when, once you receive a brief, what then happens next? You know, typically then versus what you know now. Um, briefs are, to us are very important because what they do is they point the direction, basically, of the way that the brand is going to go. And a lot of people actually say the looser the brief, the better. We don't agree with that. Uh, what we agree with is the freedom of a tightly defined brief. Um, but the other part of being in advertising, which I think is missing these days, is to be able to have fun along the way. Because if, you, if your brain is, is loose and free, it's when you get uptight that you can't have good creative ideas. And the better creative ideas actually come mm. when you are loose. I mean, even David Ogilvy in his time actually said, if you want to find an idea, drink a bottle of wine. I wouldn't go as far as that. (laughs) But what I would say is it is important to have fun. And I think the pressure within the advertising agencies these days um, is enormous for people to come up with ideas quickly because the business is being run by accountants. And Is, is, is that a bad thing? I I think it's a good thing as a business, but I think they also have to understand that the engine of an advertising agency is the creative department. And if the ideas are no good, it doesn't matter if you actually produce that idea on time. If it's a bad idea, you're not servicing a client properly. And a lot of the, the, the accountants these days will actually say you've got X amount of time to actually produce that idea. Whereas I worked with a, a very top a creative director who actually had... Um, the wherewithal to phone a client the day before the presentation and say, we've got some good ideas, but they're not good enough for you. Please give us another week. And he gave us another week. And that mm. extra week made all the difference to the quality of the idea. But does that happen nowadays? Give us another week? Is it like a mark against you and said, okay, obviously cannot meet deadlines? Um, generally, generally, it is a mark against you because people want things on time. 
Um, the problem is, as you say, it's like trying to build a, a racing car on time. If you build it incorrectly, you're going to crash. So you do need time for that idea. When is that idea going to come? And so my point is, the looser that you are, um, the more fun that you're having, is the better the idea will actually be. Yeah, good point. Okay, maybe let's leave us with two more interesting anecdotes that you can share, Aubrey, and then we'll let you go. Okay, I think the the other... Um, very naughty anecdote was um, at one point we had offices in London we were on the 15th floor um, and what we began to do is make paper darts which everybody does Mm. but then um, I think it was Gregory came in one day with a packet of fireworks and decided that actually what he was going to do is connect these fireworks to the darts and (laughs) we were firing (laughs) we were firing off these aeroplanes over London basically um, and following them with binoculars and working out which plane flew the furthest, the farthest, and the fastest. And we used to keep a, a book of the designs. So how old were you guys then? Uh, 22, 23, something like so that. You, you were young guys. Okay, yeah. got that right. Yeah. And another one? Um, another one is that um, we had a, a, a guy who gave us uh, a tractor once, uh, a beautiful model tractor. Um, that what it would do is run up and down the corridor and it actually had a a buffer at the front and a buffer at the back so when it hit the corridor wall it would reverse itself and go backwards and if it hit it in the other direction it would go forwards again Um, and it was George that took this and he said this is really a bit boring and he took the whole thing to bits and turned it into a dragster Um, (laughs) and then we timed it down the corridor and pressed the lift button so it would actually race down the corridor, the lift would arrive, and then it would go into the lift, and then go backwards and forwards in the lift and so forth, until it arrived at the reception area, and then appeared at reception. Well, you're a crazy guy. What, what's your, your absolute favorite story in, in, in your life in the advertising industry that you always want to share when you meet friends and, and others who don't even know that you were involved in that industry? I think the story with... Um, with Prince Charles is my favourite story because I think mm. we did a lot of good for the charity. Um, it's good to see how well it's doing now. Um, and we had there were a lot of sycophants around Prince Charles who, when we showed them the campaign that we wanted to run for the Prince's Trust, you know, they said, "Oh no, we couldn't possibly do that." For example, there was a um, a young boy that we actually featured who was covered in tattoos, who had more tattoos than the whole of the All Blacks uh, together, you know, massive tattoos. And we were running case histories on people who actually had received money from Prince Charles so that the kids could actually identify with these children. <laughs> and one member of the committee actually said, no, we we couldn't possibly run that. You know, we don't want to encourage tattoos. That was her argument. But she was being, as we know, in, in advertising, it's very wrong to be subjective about the work when you're looking at it. You need making, to your, making your mind up for the whole yeah. and for community already. Yeah. yeah, so we sort of brought it to Prince Charles' attention. We said, this is the sort of work that is going to, to get you noticed. This is the sort of work that's going to make people to come to you and ask for money. Um, and this is the work that's going to show that you are in contact with those people. And he said, fine, we'll run it. But, you know, we had, we had an awkward time with people saying, oh, no, we possibly couldn't run that. Mm. Just let, let's wrap up by, by your connection with Queen and Freddie Mercury. We can't lose that. 
Um, yeah, Fred studied with us. In fact, he was Farouk Balsara when we knew him. And he was originally in the fashion school and he moved up to the advertising school um, because that's where all the pop groups uh, came from. Um, and Fred really wanted to be a pop star. But when I knew him, and people won't believe this, he couldn't sing and he couldn't play the guitar. And he probably um, had a lousy voice as well. Yep, something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And... Um, what he tried to do is he tried to join various bands because we had good bands come to, to Varsity to play and none of them would have him. And there was a band that was called Smile and there was a guy in it called um, Tim Staffel who mm -hmm. we also mm -hmm. studied with, who's the bass guitarist. And then there was a, a guy called um, uh, Brian May, which everybody knows, of course. And Roger was in the band at the same time. Well, Tim Staffel actually said, um, I'm leaving. And uh, uh, Freddie put up his hand and actually said, well, if he's leaving, I'll lead, lead the band. And uh, Brian well, said, but you can't... He said, you can't sing, you can't play the guitar, this will be useless. And Fred persuaded him. And in fact, when he, le he left us without graduating, we said, Fred, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to be a rock star. And we just hosed ourselves. We just didn't believe it. Now we give motivational presentations about, um, about <laughs> Fred. <laughs> Freddie, what Farouk Bolpazar from Zanzibar originally. Yes, I think it that's was right. Yeah. And they are becoming this absolutely global rock icon. Probably one of the finest voices, I think, in, in the world in terms of music. Yeah, we've yeah. got, we've got a, a ten minute version of him. Um, doing some extemporization, which is a very rare video that I have. And he sings bebop, he sings jazz, he sings blues, and the band just follow him. It's just absolutely incredible. It makes well, I'm not to share it on YouTube, but if it is, you can send me the link. I will gladly share with other people as well. Yeah. If you're up to it. Absolutely. Okay, let's leave it at that. Thank you. So the book, where can we get it? Um, you can get it at any bookshop, like Exclusive Books or Scoobs and so forth. It's, right. They're well stocked. But stocks are running out in some of the shops, I understand. Um, any bookshop, we, at the moment, you cannot get it Competing from with Harry Potter at the moment, you do realize that. But anyway. Totally different book. Of course. <laughs> well, we more than thank you so much for your time. The book is called Between the Briefs, right? And as you said, bookstores, exclusive books, scoops in Johannesburg. Can they contact you directly? I mean, is there a website, maybe? Yes, there is a website. The, the website is betweenthebriefs.com. Okay, they will certainly get you there. So between the briefs com. In fact, tweet us some other information as well. If you can do that, it'll be absolutely great. Brian, um, rather Aubrey Morden, the former MD of McCain Erickson. You've heard that. That was in Scotland and uh, also worked with, um, as he mentioned, David Ogilvy, as in Ogilvy and made a, a global advertising agency. Between the briefs, get it out. The fun side, really, of life uh, in the hectic lanes of being um, playing in the advertising space. Thank you so much for your time. Most appreciated. Ashraf, thank you very much. Absolutely. Right. We, in fact, you know we had the, the Radio Days Africa a few months ago. A, yeah, a few weeks ago, in fact. And some of the, uh, some of the excerpts from the um, uh, speakers we never quite got to. So let, let's do this. We'll get to some of them in a few minutes' time. Then we'll also talk about the Icon Awards uh, that took place um, a few days ago, in fact, with Maria Petrusas and the team from Unilever. And that comes up right after this. <laughs> 